Kickpot acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Yulikit Wulan clan of the Boomerang, who are a part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to our elders, past and present, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Kickpod, your DNM on the stuff that matters, but also the stuff that doesn't. One, two, three, four. Hello there. Hi. Now this, all our episodes are special, Mm. but today we have an interview with Mm. literally one of my heroes and Mm. I am just so excited. It's also my birthday tomorrow and so I feel (laughs) like it's just... This is your present. Seriously, (laughs) this is my present. So today we have got on... I mean, you would have, I'm trying to like tease it, but you would have seen the title. <laughs> Yelena Jokic, she is, I, I Many grew things. up watching her yeah. on my TV and also as, as of more recently, I, I mean, for a long time, the work that Yelena does in helping people mm. not feel alone, her vulnerability, it, it, just everything that she does and embodies and the person that she is, is mm. so special. And so this interview is nothing short of amazing I have to say myself obviously because of Yelena <laughs> yeah we didn't talk much <laughs> Yelena is a retired tennis player I mean as I'm sure a lot of you know and a current tennis commentator a very good tennis player obviously at that she's the former singles world number four and she won six singles titles mm. that's just this, yeah. blows my mind and she's also the author of two books Unbreakable in 2018 and then what we'll be speaking about today is her new book, Fearless, which came out in 2023. Yeah. In Fearless, she went more into detail about everything she's been through. Um, and she also opened up for the first time about her, about her borderline personality disorder diagnosis and breaking up with her partner of 19 years. But in today's chat, we talk a lot about her life pretty much and learning as of more recently that she has had an eating disorder. Um, as Laura said earlier, what she does online, um, how she highlights people who have put body shaming comments, you know, um, is super, super strong and incredibly important. Um, how the media speaks about women's bodies and how it has spoken about her body in particular over the years um, and how she's built herself back up after attempting to take her own life and her advice for people who are starting from rock bottom. So before we get into this chat, uh, trigger warning, uh, if you need any support when it comes to eating disorders or body image, the Butterfly Foundation is reachable on 1-800-334673 from 8am till midnight. We'll pop the information in our show notes and Lifeline also for those of you who might find the topic of Yelena talking about attempting to take her own life. You can call Lifeline at 13 11 14 and they're open 24 hours We'll put all of this information in our show notes along with links to her books and inf- more information on Yelena, but we're just super excited to finally have this episode. Let's roll it. Going Let's into roll it. Enjoy, everyone. <laughs> Yelena, it is so lovely to have you here. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's great to be here with you both. Um, yeah, I just... Um, 
I'm excited actually. I'm very excited oh. uh, because I, you know, follow you. I have for a very long time. I know we met um, earlier in Finally. the year, yeah, in <laughs> Sydney. Um, but yeah, I love what you what you both do, what you stand for, and uh, yeah, to build something pretty much from you know scratch and to keep it going and to be amazing friends and supporters. <laughs> uh, you know, women supporting women is just incredible to see. So yeah, thank you. I'm excited. Oh, <laughs> means so much. And thank I, you. I think as well when we met in, we obviously just admire everything yeah. that you do and, and you. you stand for so much and love all your work and when we met at the start of the year I know we we tr- tried to have a podcast episode yes. before then but you yeah. were like no there's something there's something coming out it's coming out we've got to we've got to wait so yeah. I feel like we have been wait like I've been so excited for this episode for generally nine months yeah, so. yeah. thank you no so have I uh, because when we talked about yeah. it uh, that was I think it was my, uh, a- April yes. around my birthday and uh, but I went on a bit of a like no media because we yeah. knew the, the book was coming out in September so I was just doing the commentary and you had to keep it a little bit you know um, and I was like oh my god I'm saying no but <laughs> I hope they all still want to do this I'm when not. my book comes out. So I was like, make sure you tell them that it's not that I'm saying no, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's that I actually just can't do it right now. <laughs> well, we appreciate it so much. And, um, you know, we were just speaking offline about um, how you've been doing a lot of the, these chats with the release of your second book, um, Fearless. So we're so excited to, to talk through some stuff because in this book particularly, you've gone very deep in sharing so much of your story. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know, you don't owe that to anyone, right? So what is it that made you want to open up so much? Look, uh, I don't, yeah, look, I I don't think I owe it to anyone, but I at the same time feel uh, like it is more than just me. Mm -hmm. It's uh, uh, work that's extremely important to me and something that I want to leave behind as a legacy to actually try and make a difference and try and change something on really, really important issues and topics and everything that all of them that I do talk about things I've been through or things that I've experienced firsthand. And yeah, I'm really driven to talk about it very openly because I really believe in the power of sharing our stories in order to be able to help others and remove the shame and stigma that's Mm. often associated with a lot of it. Uh, So, yeah, I really believe in that. But I also believe in it from a perspective of when you do speak up and when you do share your story, you find your voice Mm. and you find who you are and you can heal. And I think it's a big step towards really being happy. That's what I've discovered. And not just with this book, but originally with Unbreakable. That's really what got me there. And yeah. the the fascinating thing was I didn't know that that would happen. Um, there was one reason and one reason only why I actually wrote my first book, um, Unbreakable, six years ago, uh, and that was to try and help someone. Yeah. That was my goal. I said at the end of Unbreakable, if it changes one person's life, I will be the happiest person in, in the world. Uh, it will be mission accomplished. And it changed yours. Yeah, it changed mine and it's changed a lot. It's, mm. it's changed a lot in the in, – you know, the landscape of tennis and sport and society. I definitely do think we're talking about things that we didn't talk about, but it's not, um, you know, I certainly don't think I'm the reason for that, but I think it's been an accumulation of uh, 
maybe me in tennis and in sport, mm. uh, Grace Tame mm. coming out and mm-hmm. sharing her experience and changing so much and even um, changing a law. Mm. Uh, it has been Simone Biles and the US gymnastics team, for example, mm. uncovering an incredible amount of abuse and horrific stories. The Me Too movement, that's all happened in the last six years. Mm. So now I really feel like we're talking about these topics like abuse and domestic violence and child abuse and mental health mm. and eating disorders a lot more openly because we are discovering that it's actually changing people's lives. Oh, 100%. And I, I know you said that you don't feel like you are the reason, but you're definitely one of for sure. Um, and when you, with the writing of the book and reflecting on your story and everything, would you say for someone who might have gone through some, some shit in life that regardless of whether they're going to have a publisher and actually have a book published one mm-hmm. day, that was writing it and reflecting on it actually... Was that really important and did you actually learn so much about yourself and would you recommend that to Absolutely, absolutely. Look, for me, it just happened to be, you know, a book mm. and I had a platform. And you're pretty famous. So people, <laughs> you know, you're writing something down and people like, are like, well, gotta, let's publish it. I don't like to think of myself that way. but <laughs> You are a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, but um, I think it's also, it doesn't have to be, mm. you know, you don't have to be a public figure yeah. or you don't have to yeah. be in the spotlight. Mm. I, I think you can do it. And, and that's where fearless come, kind of comes in. Mm. Um, and is really important because I say it's vulnerability. Yeah. That's what it's about. I happen to, yes, for me, it happened to be a book for someone else. It might be telling their story to, mm. to you uh, on a podcast mm. for others. It might be uh, talking to their therapist mm. and, you know, unloading a lot of that that way or it could be journaling mm. as well as long as you get it out yeah and that's the whole point of vulnerability that you're not afraid of it that you're not keeping it in a lot of people there's a reason uh, why things like domestic violence mm. and the consequences especially child abuse has on adults but also things like mental health and eating disorders as well uh, why it has such a massive impact as well uh is because people are afraid to talk about it. Mm. They suffer in silence. So I'll give you an example. How many times have we heard maybe someone go, oh, I've lost a friend and you know they took their own life. But you go, we had no idea. Mm, yes, we had no idea so what they were does. going through. Why mm-hmm. didn't they say something? Or, uh, you know, I really would never have thought something like that. That's because we keep it in mm. and we suffer in silence. I know I did because we are worried about the shame and stigma of mm. society and and that's how it's been for a very long time. So, you know, we often hear our people suffer in silence. That's the reason why. And then all of a sudden you see someone's gone and, and you know, we just, we're, you know, we have no idea where it's come from. So that's, I think, the whole reason why I do what I do. Mm. I want that to be my legacy and to try and change something by speaking up and by removing that shame and stigma. I mean, Don't get me wrong, going into Unbreakable and even this book, I always was like, oh, I was really scared going into Unbreakable going, how are people going to react to me talking so openly about abuse and mental health? But I also kind of was like, I don't care. This is real. Yeah. I I kind of feel like it's changed a lot, not just for me, but for a lot of other people. Yeah. I would say millions of people. And there's so much in this book that Mm -hmm. we want to talk about. Yeah. Do you mind if we start with you sharing about your eating disorder? Mm-hmm. Sure. I think as you were talking before around the shame around mm. it, so many people, because it is something that people hide and they, they you feel alone and you feel shameful for it and then you feel like you're the only one. And mm-hmm. so you have done so much incredible work in talking about it. And I, I, if it's okay, I wanted to read of course. a little bit of the book. 
So you wrote, I was actually completely unaware that I was well in the throes of a full-blown eating disorder and I was getting some bad advice from people around me. One of my coaches would constantly tell me to cut carbs and insisted I eat just a can of tuna with lemon juice as a meal. In December 2005, as I tried to re-establish my once rocketing tennis career, the press was again focusing on me and not for my tennis. They were being unkind about the shape I was in. Yelena is about to spend her first Christmas in Melbourne, one wrote one sports writer. She would be and I, I, I'm so sorry to read this. Yeah, I, that's I, okay. All good. <laughs> she would be wise to avoid the plum pudding as she inches back towards peak competitive shape. For the record at this time, I weighed only three kilograms more than I had when I was in my best competitive mm-hmm. shape. Mm-hmm. It makes me, me just, I just feel so sad and, and like as I read that, that mm-hmm. that's what you mm-hmm. went through for so many years. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I usually don't talk about like kilos or this and that. Yeah. So I'll just give you for reference though. I'm 179 um, centimetres tall, so mm. like 5'10", almost 5'11". Yeah. And my peak competitive, let's say, weight would be 61 kilos. Mm. 60, that's, that's, that's very lean. That's very, yeah. you know, lean. And, and in this moment when this was going on, I was 64, mm. maybe 65 max. So I was still very, you know, I was, yeah. I was fit. Yeah. And that came out. And in the moment, I was like, is this like, is this serious? And not just, are we really saying this mm. to someone? Um, but it was just fascinating that we were writing this and it was okay. Mm. And yeah, I don't know. Like it affects you as a person. Yeah. But for me, uh, I've always had, you know, I never really thought about, like I had a positive body image, Mm. but I discovered that the more that we kind of talked about it and went into more and more about what we look like or we talked about it, the worse the effect on me was. I mean, my eating disorder came also from a lot of trauma, so there was a a lot of things going on, but I was actually doing this and I didn't realise it, but for years and years I was, you know, had these really unhealthy habits because of the people that I kind of was around, unfortunately, and I was still very young. Mm. Uh, And I was like, oh my God, this is my, this is what I'm doing as a normal thing. I am eating a can of tuna with lemon juice. Do you know what I mean? So I think that that's really dangerous and and Mm. that's why I'm such an advocate for that. But even more so when you move past that, it's the trolling and the body shaming that I really have a problem with. And I think where I come from is that you never know what anyone is dealing with, right? And even if they're not, it doesn't matter. You should never shame anyone for the way that they look like. I think it's just such a bad message that we are sending out where, you know, I can be the best at what I do. I can be the kindest person. I can do as much good as I want in this world or try and help people or try and be a good person. But then we're sending out the message, that doesn't really matter. It matters what size you are. And mm. I have a real problem with that. Mm. Like, I really think that's such a uh, wrong uh, such a wrong quality to mm. have as human beings. Yeah. And it was interesting because in the middle of me kind of fighting the trolls and the body shaming, I discovered I had an eating disorder yeah. right in the kind of in the middle of that. So, yeah, look, it's been very important to talk about it in this book uh, and – 
what I've discovered with that, but also, again, just to stand up for other people as well. You have no idea how many people have written to me on mm. social media going, I'm actually size zero and I get body shamed. Yeah. And, or I have, you know, anorexia, I'm battling anorexia, bulimia, and I get body shamed all the time yeah. and made fun of. Or I'm a size 18 and I go through a completely different way of body shaming. So it was a very important um, topic for me. And that's why I've put it in the front of the book. Mm. That's where I wanted it to be. Mm. And again, just talking from personal experience and how it can affect a human being. Um, and how you were the best, the thing that, that you said that just is, is has stuck with me is how you're the, you were the best at what you did mm-hmm. in, at tennis. You yeah. were the best. You trained every day, mm-hmm. everything in your life, in your world was around getting better at tennis, right? Yeah. A lot of it was. You were there to do a job, to play tennis and to play tennis well. Mm-hmm. And the media do not talk about what you are working, like your skill that yeah. you have built up. They instead, and they do it to women. Oh, it's it's so sexist. Hundred percent. They put women's value and attribute our value mm-hmm. to the way that our body looks. So Absolutely. instead of speaking about your skill yeah. and how good you are, because that is what matters and yeah. that is what you care about, they mm-hmm. don't even mention it. No. And instead they talk about your body, which is t- completely irrelevant. Yeah, and what actually happened up to that point, I actually had, uh, I was going up and down, uh, I was already struggling about a year and a half or two, my results were up and down and I actually you know, won a couple of events going into that, won the wild card for the Australian Open. And that article got written after I won uh, kind of the wild card player mm. for the Australian Open in December. And then that gets written mm. instead of, oh, you've just won a wild card, you know, for the Australian Open and for the summer and you're playing well. Mm. And then this comes out. But I'm also fascinated by the fact that even as athletes, when you're, you know, uh, just naturally you're, you're, you're fit and you're, and you're working hard, you still get judged. Yeah. Are you a size two? Do you look good in a skirt? Uh, public figures get it all the time yeah. as well. Yeah. And then I've, I've also asked myself, it's interesting because what we consider someone to be, let's say, curvy, mm. for example, uh, you're going to have some other maybe media outlet or social media say, oh, you're too big. But what is uh, the right size. Mm. Think about it. Like, what is the right body size? Mm-hmm. Because it goes up and down. Mm-hmm. It's the perception. Trends. It's literally trends. Body trends. Exactly. Which is so sorry to use the effort, but it's fucked. Yeah, like it our is fucked. Bo- body trends that happens. But I yeah. think, I think as well, the thing that is so wrong, and it's like the media need to be responsible for this, is young a young girl mm-hmm. watching you, looking up to you for your tennis, mm-hmm. reading or yep. hearing on the news, mm-hmm. that comment is then again, it is validated in her head again and again and again that actually the only thing that matters is what your body looks like. Like that one young woman could have heard that mm-hmm. and thought, do you know what? I'm trying really hard in whatever it might be, but what really matters mm-hmm. as a woman for me is my body. Yeah. So that's what I need to care about. Well, that's what I said. Like, uh, I think, look, my eating disorder came from a lot of the trauma that I went through. But I remember reading things like that and going, really? Is Mm. that something I should be concerned about? So, yeah, imagine a 12 or 13-year-old girl. uh, And that's where we come back, my kind of... People say fight, <laughs> taking on the trolls in the last few years. I don't. I actually don't look at it as a fight. I just wanted to put the right message mm. out there, mm. uh, even when they write something vile. Uh, that is the reason why. And you have no idea how many parents have come up to me and said, thank you for yes. doing that because mm. my daughter has read that yeah. and looks up to that, mm. um, that it's uh, okay to be herself yeah. and not to accept 
BS like that from people or, or that those are the real values. Like you have no idea how many parents have come up and said that to me. But that means that we do have a problem yeah, in the 100%. way that especially women are perceived and, and the way that we look. Yeah. And I love what you've been putting out there. And um, one of the posts that you shared in your book, I, I want to read it in just a moment um, because I do think it's really important. Um, but before I go there, I have I just one more question about, I, I think, that period. I think something that a lot of people, maybe those who might not have been through something like an eating disorder might not be aware of is because of the shame and a lot of the time it takes some time to understand that you even have the problem in the first mm-hmm. place. Um there's that period of thinking like what you're doing is normal and fine. Yeah. What was the period for you where I think maybe when your coach had said some things or mm-hmm. whatever where you identified, no, this is an issue and mm-hmm. I don't want to listen anymore and did you kind of speak up about it? or? Yeah, look, I uh, I do. I did end up having an eating disorder yeah. because of my mental health yeah. uh, and it was for me, it was a safety net yeah. and for me that was my comfort, mm-hmm. that was my emotional eating, that was my outlet and because I kind of, you know, we would have to go a lot deeper psychologically but because of a lot of my trauma and abandonment in my early life, yeah. that was my thing to go to because I felt like that would never let me down. And it developed into being a binging and starving eating disorder. So I would binge and I talk about it in here, the, the massive amounts of food I would eat and it would make me feel good and, and like I wasn't being let down. But then I would also have this guilt and I would go on these starvation periods for days as well. And you couldn't see it as much and I couldn't feel it as much while I was playing. Mm. Uh, but then it really you know, went out of control once I stopped playing. But yeah, look, it's been, to be honest, it's been really... Uh, great to find out that that's what I kind of have because I kind of felt like, especially last few years, something is not right. Mm. So, but I will make one thing clear. It doesn't matter. It's it's not about the size. So I will be okay with myself and happy with myself, whether I'm, you know, in my playing days or, you know, today when I'm a little bit bigger and I'm, and I'm proud to say that because I embrace who I am. This is, you know, if that's what had to happen for me to still be standing here, I'm proud of that. Uh, but yeah, I really do believe in uh, having this freedom to really discover who we are. You know what I mean? So I still want to be the best version of myself. And I also, for example, you know, I want to be, to be honest with you, from where I am now, I want to get a hold of my eating disorder. I want to get fit. I want to run a marathon in a couple of years' time. And, uh, you know, I want to climb Kilimanjaro, for example. <laughs> but yeah, I want to do these things and, and you know, play tennis a bit more. And, and I, I want to get fitter. And I also, at the same time, uh, don't want to be judged if yeah, I'm not a size 18 anymore. Yeah. Right? And, I, and I probably will be, let's say, if that happens. Yeah. So this is what I kind of am making also clear on social media that. I'm not out here just, just standing for people that are size 16 or 18 because that's what I am. Mm. No, I'm standing up for everyone. Yeah. And if I'm tomorrow a size two, yeah. don't judge me for now being a size two, yeah. for example. Yeah. I'm still going to stand up for everyone. Mm. It's more that the actual judgment of what you look like needs to stop. Yeah. And I will always be there for you. Yeah. Uh, no matter what size you are, yeah. uh, that you shouldn't be judged and yeah. you shouldn't be body shamed. And I think that that's when we get mm-hmm. to kindness and acceptance. I talk a lot about yeah. that in Fearless. Let's just be kind. Let's. Why do we have to have these discussions? You have to be one or the other. Yep. And I have to be standing up for one or the other. Why can't I stand up for everyone? Yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I love that <laughs> so much because 
constantly in life, there are so many different phases. There are so many different reasons why our bodies change Mm -hmm. so many and so many that are out of our control. And so we don't need the judgment from others Mm -hmm. who have no idea what's going on or how healthy or unhealthy mentally or physically we are being or whatever. It is not, that is not depicted by what we look like. Mm -hmm. And so I love it. And for anyone that doesn't follow you and might not see these posts, I want to share something that you, one of the posts that you shared, just parts of it, um, because it is just such a good reminder of why it's so important to watch what you're writing mm-hmm. online and to just mind yourself before you cast judgment and particularly publicly. Um, something that you said, I am strong. I can take it and I don't care about you, but I will call it out by doing this. You might be doing damage by hurting someone else out there that you know nothing about. You have no idea what they might be going through. Stop judging me based on my size. First of all, first comment on that. It's so important. It's so true. It's exactly what we were talking about earlier with the media, with the different things that are in articles. Young girls could be reading it and it makes them think about themselves because we all compare, right? And so that is so important. And then the next part that you said, my favorite is what happened to you? Well, a shitload has happened, but I'm here and I'm fighting, but that's not what you care about. You only care about my weight and how to make fun of it. And I'm just... Yeah, I, I'm here for you calling it out because yeah. it is just so important that people are reminded yeah. to just keep their mouth shut when it comes to that. Yeah, and I think, look, social media is a big part of that mm. today and we didn't have to deal with that. I grew up uh, in a very different era. We didn't even have phones when I was growing up, but social media was not a part of it 20 years ago. Now it is and mm. we have to adjust to that. But I still don't think that we should be out here behind a keyboard and writing you know, nasty messages. First of all, I'm sure that 95% of those people wouldn't say it to your face. Exactly. But <laughs> if you do, then think about it. There's something seriously wrong yes, about you're saying, saying something like that. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I, I actually uh, – it actually doesn't – uh, it used to make me a little bit upset, but not even for myself, that comment. I'm just in general thinking, you're sitting there going, what happened to you? You're not at your playing shape or whatever. And I'm going, yeah, buddy, if I just told you what maybe I or someone that you're judging maybe went through in the last three months alone, mm. you know, we'd be sitting here for, you know, five hours, <laughs> me telling you uh, exactly what's happened. Mm. So, I don't think you, you even need to maybe know if someone's not ready to share or tell you, but don't ask the question. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happened. Yeah. You know, if that person is happy and embraces that, that's all that matters. The, the question you should be asking is, are they happy? Mm. How are they how doing? Are you? you know, how, how, are, how are you? So that's where I kind of go, well, what's happened? And I was like, well, you know, a shit ton has happened if mm. you really want to know, but mm. it doesn't matter. I, like it was more like, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I don't want the pity. It's not about that. But don't ask me what happened. Just mm. accept it. Mm. And By the look, book. Yeah. But like, <laughs> look at the, I always say, where are the real values 100 percent. You know, why are we 100%. Do you know what out I think, here? Like, I think too, the question that person needs to ask themselves is why is what someone's body looks like Prompting impacting you my life. Exactly. Like it's, like a, it's actually yeah. complete. Like the fact that you're sitting there and you're thinking about someone else's body and write, like why, the question for that person is why is this in my mind? Yeah, like, 100%. Why is this taking up my brain yeah. space? Why do I, what's wrong? Like what is going on inside yeah. of me yeah. that I feel like I have to put my, my insecurities or whatever it is onto someone else? Yeah, but also why are we... Uh, you know, this shallow thinking of yeah. let's say someone really enjoys their food, is a foodie and really, you know, 
is not a size zero or a size two. Does that make them a bad person? No. That's my question. If someone's a size 16 or 18, are they a bad person? Or are you straight away judging someone that is a size zero? They're they're ultimately a great person. And that is just insane to me. I had a comment... Uh, I spoke about it. Uh, I think I posted actually that comment. Uh, the person said to me that he loves my commentating. He goes, Jelena is a great commentator, but I actually can't listen to her knowing that she's a size 18, mm-hmm. that she's big. And I think that says That's it all. That's his issue. But That's... I think that says it all, doesn't yeah. it? So that person actually says, oh, you're, a, your skill. you're a great commentator. I actually love listening to you and what God. you say, but I, you know, I just can't knowing that, you know, you're not an acceptable size. Like that is, he needs to go to therapy. Like he needs <laughs> to unpack that shit, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's so. like living his Im- life is impacted, something that he enjoys mm. by his shit. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's yeah. ridiculous. So. Yeah, you see things like that and that's what kind of prompts me to go into that whole, uh, yeah, just to, to keep talking about it. And and I've had some people very close to me uh, in a positive way say, look, just delete people or block them, which I do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, maybe you don't want to take this on and it's okay, leave it and things like that. And I'm like, look, I, I get it. Mm. I know why you're saying it and for my mental health and so on. But I actually, I don't want to leave it. I really don't. I'm angry. Uh, yeah, because it's going to keep happening. I'm a big believer that uh, silence uh, is really detrimental to our well-being and our mental health. Child abuse and domestic violence and I, with uh, my physical and emotional abuse that I went through with my father, I was always taught to stay silent mm. and raised that way and taught, you know, if you say anything, I'm going to kill you. And I really am a big believer that silence is a big problem in society and in families mm. as well. And it causes a lot of damage. And it does when it comes to social media as well. And I let it go a couple of times and then. I was like, no, I'm going to call this out. I'm not going to just let it go and, you know, shove it under the rug and say, oh, it's okay. It's one or two. No, it's not okay. And it just, the more you do it and the more that you let it go, the more it happens. Mm-hmm. That's what abusers and bullying and trolling is about. It's about uh, smashing and shattering your self-worth your self-belief, who you are, what you are, and it's not okay. Mm. So that's where I also feel like finding our voice has been really important. And I know that everyone, you know, is not capable of doing that. Yeah. That's okay. But that's why I feel like I, I can maybe be the voice for those mm. that can't and maybe they won't feel alone mm. and they won't feel like they're alone in that struggle and that battle and that there is someone out there speaking up and I also don't think when it comes to social media, some people say, well, you're a public figure or what you put out there, you kind of know it comes with the territory. And I'm like, well, no, it's actually no, because just because, yeah, but just because (laughs) I, don't forget also a lot of athletes have to use social media for sponsors and they earn a living like that as well. You have uh, sports that are not like tennis Mm. where they don't earn as much. So it's a part of their brand and and what they do to be able to cover costs. And it doesn't, it shouldn't, and it doesn't come with the territory. I'm sorry. Just because you want to be creative on social media, for me, it's even more so. I want to build a community. It's like 
both of you and what you're trying to do and make a difference, why should that come with the territory? Why should abuse and mm. bullying and trolling be normal? Mm. And enabling it in public mm. enables it in private. And I don't care what anyone yeah. says. By by letting the trolls go and by and again, it's like obviously everyone's very different. It is you have you do have to have built a lot of confidence to feel like you can go up and say no sure. and, yeah. and own that this is wrong and I'm gonna shame you because of it. Yeah. But I think that if in saying in enabling for the trolls and letting those comments stay there mm-hmm. and keeping or whatever they are, yep. that then I have no doubt in my mind that people would read that and then in their own relationships, if they're you know they're being abused within their relationship by their family, whatever it is at home, it is normalised by yep. those public social media comments. And even though they 100%. are in public, and that's what people have to realise, they think that they're commenting on public figures that they never read the comments yep. or that it doesn't mean anything because they've got a profile, which but is so crazy. Yeah, but people. People see that and that enables that behaviour mm-hmm. in private. Yeah, absolutely. And affirms that that is okay. It is okay to speak to women yeah. like that. And I think, uh, you know, as athletes or if you're in a, I don't know, if, if you're in general a, a public person, that's why I think uh, I've always looked at, for example, even tennis. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to maybe give back to the sport as well uh, because you hear, oh, I started playing tennis because of you or I, I used to watch you play and and you were so you know inspirational for me and that's so nice to hear. And I was thinking to myself, well, I stopped uh, playing tennis and for me, I actually stopped early because of injuries and mental health at 29. And then I was kind of also didn't have role models myself after that. I had them in tennis. I wanted to be like some of the greats and I used to try and play like them, but we need role models and kind of we need heroes in real life as well, don't we? And yes, not everyone has a platform and also not everyone is able to speak up and I know how hard that is. I've been there. I was a prisoner of that for more than 30 years, but that's why I kind of felt like, look, I can do that. So if I can do that and even help one person, I'm going to do it. Mm. And and I'm sure there'll be more out there uh, that can do the same fight and, and there'll, there'll be more of us and the, maybe the more that I speak out, someone else will feel like they have the strength to, mm. and the courage to do it as well. So it's kind of one by one mm. doing it together. And that's where we are now getting to a stage where I can list especially women, that have come out and mm. talked about it and shared their story in order to try and change something. And just think about it, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, we wouldn't have had that. So I'm grateful that we're doing it today. We're doing it more and more. I just hope we can continue mm. that fight and that those conversations on what is right. And especially uh, we as women and and for our younger generation and the girls that are coming up and growing up and the girls that will take over after us as well, the world, that we can create a better place and a safer place and not where every time you look at a picture of yourself, think, am I good enough? Does this look all right? I think that that's ultimately what I think I want to kind of, that's the message I want to be able to send out. For people listening, for anyone listening right now that might be feeling that they've gone through a similar journey to you and they, they might be at the start of it in, in the time that you mm. said you, you were a prisoner, you couldn't, you couldn't feel, you didn't feel like you could speak out about it and you've also so generously shared um, your experience with attempting to take your mm-hmm. own life. You've now, look where you are now. Mm. And 
I, I can imagine people will be listening and thinking, because I think sometimes when we, obviously you're people's heroes mm-hmm. and when we look at our heroes, we think I, I could never be them because they're I, like, I, I could never have the courage. Mm-hmm. I could never have the resilience. For anyone listening that's at the start of their journey yep. and hasn't worked through it and is going through the trauma and, and does not think that they can get out, what would you say to them? Oh, that's what, uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> I can actually really, really resonate with that Mm. because that's where I was. So even 10 years ago, let alone when I was growing up and uh, I started getting abused at a very young age, at the age of six, but I'm just going to go back to 10 years ago when I, or 11 years ago when I retired from tennis and I was completely lost. So tennis was my life. That was my identity. It was gone. I had no will to live. I had nothing to aspire to. I was locked in my room, not my house, my room within my four walls. I was someone that couldn't look people in the eye, had no social skills left, couldn't utter two sentences, and I was that person. So I think that the biggest message would be that no matter how low you feel, that you can get out of feeling like that, but also out of that position and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel might not be straight away, Mm -hmm. but every single day that you survive, you do get stronger and you've got the strength and courage to build yourself back up. And even if you have to start over again, you can do it. I was so terrified of starting over Mm -hmm. again and reinventing myself. And today, if you told me that this is where I would be, I would have told you, you are nuts. No way. I can't even utter two sentences, let alone to do so many different things, especially that have to do kind of the opposite of that from commentating to TV, to speak, being a speaker, to a writer and doing events. And it's possible. And you just have to keep believing in yourself. You just stay the course, hold on. I think belief and hope is a big one. And for me, I lost my self-worth and self-belief. So I would say never allow anyone to take that from you. Always believe, but also that self-worth. Just know that it's not a group decision. It's all yours. You decide your worth and you are worthy and capable of things that you can't even imagine. And that it's really important to block that outside noise, especially the, the toxic and the negative noise and people. So you can go from being down or let's say being a, I say for myself, I like to say victim survivor, but then to thriving. You can do that. It's possible to get to that next stage. For everyone, it looks different, but I would say don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be who you are. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Those that need to understand and that will understand are your types of people. Those that don't, you don't need them in your life anyway. So I think ultimately, Also, maybe what I would like people to go is, you know, she really is, I guess, unbreakable and fearless. Mm -hmm. And she really did believe and she just continued to fight for what she believed in and and what she wanted to do and and to find her way and happiness. And that's what I would like to say to other people, that, that it is possible, that you can get past any kind of adversity and you don't have to be defined by or defeated by your past or anything that's happened to you, uh, you really can build yourself back up and be this amazing person. Sorry, that was long. That was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. And I, I, it's just, it's seriously incredible. And I hope that everyone 
I don't care how long that was. Go back and really let that <laughs> like sink 10, in. Like 10 times. That mm. is just the best advice. Um, and I actually kind of wanted to finish on that, but I, I, I would love to know just personally, you know, where you're at now, I, I know that your ultimate goal is to be the best version mm-hmm. of yourself. Yeah. That looks different to everyone, you it know, does. With, yeah. with what it is. Mm-hmm. So what what is it for you? Look, uh, for me, it's all about happiness and joy. So mm-hmm. for me, if, you know, I'm truly happy, that's what really matters to me. And for me, the last few years, and that was kind of the reason actually for Fearless. Unbreakable mm. was the first step in that journey. That's why I wrote Fearless is how I got there. Mm. And for me, it has been practicing things like, you know, kindness and gratitude and the way that I live my life and those really simple things that are now at the core of the way that I do live my life. Uh, and really uh, living in the moment, taking a breath to enjoy those things because I, I know the importance of it. I didn't do that for a very long time because that's what depression and anxiety does. And you just don't see kind of almost any color or sound. Everything's gray, everything's dark. So I really uh, value those really small things in life, the small moments and like watching that sunrise and sunset. And and I know it sounds like people say, oh, that's simple or cliche and, and people say that, but genuinely mm. go out there and, and you know, it's like watch that sunrise. And, and I do it for yeah, half an hour, an hour with a coffee in my hand. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. That's the way I live today. It's the simple things in life. Uh, I try and bring a lot of positivity and humor into things. Uh, I really think if you can do that, you kind of, win every single little time when you've got a tough day or something. Uh, So, yeah, I think for me, uh, I want to be the best version of myself. Ultimately, do we know what that is and what we're going to be like in 10 or 15 years' time? I don't think we do. I didn't know where I would be 10 years ago when I maybe would have been asked this question. But it's genuinely what makes me happy. And just being chill. And uh, I said to my friend, this was going to be my year of chill. And it was. And it's been amazing. I just kind of went with it. And yeah, I think ultimately embracing who I am, being proud of who I am, uh, not worrying about the small things in life. Uh, It's about removing things that are toxic and that don't bring any value to your life Mm -hmm. as well. So look, I also have personal goals that I still want to accomplish. Like I said, at some stage later on, I want (laughs) to run a marathon. I want to climb Kilimanjaro Mm -hmm. and things like that, maybe in five to 10 years time. And yeah, look, I do want to get fitter and healthier. I'm on my journey of uh, getting my eating disorder under control and what that looks like, Uh, but more from a psychological perspective than anything else, uh, that it's not a burden on me mentally. And I think that mental health is incredibly important. And I think that finding your passion Mm. and your meaning in life, both professionally and personally, has been a life changer for me. So I feel like you can always also change your job and you can go and do some new things, which is kind of, I was kind of forced to have to do that. But you discover so much about yourself and you actually discover you're good at things you never thought you Mm. might be good at or you might love to do. Personally as well, what what does that look like? For some people, it's going to the gym and running marathons. For other people, it might be meditation or going a little bit more the spiritual way. So find what your passions are, both privately and professionally, to keep yourself engaged in both. And I think that that's ultimately what makes you happy. So that's what I want to keep doing and keep doing my work. And I want to try and 
continue to advocate for change and, and positive conversations, especially for women and girls. I think it's incredibly important what they hear and the way that they grow up. Every single sentence that they hear matters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we'll see. Maybe we'll have a chat in a few years and see where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of been my way to, I think, happiness ultimately. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. No, thank you for having me. Thank you for role modeling, you know, to yeah. us, to every single person listening and, and everyone that sees your work, mm. how to be fearless and how to be unbreakable. And I think as well in the work that you, and I've just been thinking about how I can articulate this, but in the way that you share that you are fearless and you are unbreakable, you do it in a way that says that I'm listening and I can be fearless and unbreakable too. And I think yeah. for so many other people and it's, mm. it's, it's so special. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And you both, I've, like I said, I've followed you way before you even knew about me. Um, when I, I highly doubt it. I, I highly doubt it. My Instagram account like five years ago, and I yeah, I followed you guys when you had no idea. So uh, yeah, well, we knew you when you were yeah. like we've always known you as a tennis player. But yeah, thank you for what you do as well. And uh, a lot of what you do is is about health and fitness and being the best version of yourself for whatever that might look like. You know, for for, for different people, and but at the same time having the conversations with, for example, someone like me who has struggled with that uh, and has you know, things that uh, I do talk about, like an eating disorder and things that uh, haven't been easy to deal with. So yeah, thank you for having those conversations and being open to it and supporting women and, and girls. And uh, yeah, you guys are so kind. And um, the very first time I met you, you both gave me the biggest hug. So <laughs> I will never forget that. It's those types of things that you see behind the scenes when, you know, there's no one watching or, you know, when there's no one around and you've both always been so amazing and supportive. So thank you. Yeah. Thank we you. love you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> thank you so much for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to get involved in the KickPod, <laughs> you can. We have got a KickPod Instagram where you can send us a DM about your thoughts on the podcast, some questions, some stories that happen <laughs> to you. Honestly, whatever you want to send in, we would love to see and read it and hear it and chat to you. And that is at KickPod on Insta. We would also appreciate your following. If you would like to support the podcast, come and follow that account. (laughs) That is where we'll be sharing a lot of this kind of content. So we hope you guys enjoy that. If you want to learn more about Kick, the Kick app, we have a website, kickapp.com, or you can head to the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and download our app. We have a seven-day free trial if you'd like to check out the app and we're also on instagram at laura.henshaw and at steph claire smith and you can find us over on tiktok as well at kick but we'll be back in your ears very soon bye